Welcome back to Practical Theology for Practically Everyone, where we take big theological topics, talk about them, but also break them down for how they, how they play out in our lives because faith always gets lived out. Remember that theology matters to everyone because everyone matters to God. My name is Jeremy Smith, and I'm joined by my good friend, as always, Morgan Morrow. And in the podcast today, we're continuing a conversation. This is part two of a conversation we began about a really important topic, identity. Mm. Identity is much more than self-image. Identity is the essence of who you are. It's the truth about you. And only God who created and designed you can tell you who you are. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's so important. Faith is so important to identity. So we're going to pick up at the end of part one. We were talking about Colossians 3, 3 through 4, and sort of slowly becoming who God has created us to be in the white stone that we talked a lot about in part one. If you haven't listened to part one yet, go back and listen to that first. We're going to play a little bit of the end of part one as we get into part two. Remember that this podcast is sponsored by Crosspoint Church in Northwest Florida. You can check them out at crosspoint.church. Hope you enjoy Identity Part 2. The more the more I'm in the more I'm in God with Christ, the more Christ is seen in me and through me, and the more I become who I've been created to be like Jesus. The scene that we've already talked about, the white stone, um, that Revelation is, uh, Revelations is such a metaphoric, symbolic piece of literature, uh, and it can have multiple levels of meaning. One of the meanings may be when we see Christ, we will understand the truth more than we've ever understood it, that's for sure. Mm. But it could also mean that we are learning our identity through him through every step of the process. Yeah. He is day by day giving us the white stone. Um, those things aren't mutually exclusive. Mm. Um, I think he is already giving us that new name. Um, and he will give it to us to, to the degree that we're open to receive it. Yeah, that's good. And I like, I think you were saying this earlier that that's a, sometimes that's like miraculous. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's like, I look back and I go, whoa, slow growth. I'm different. Yeah. I'm more of who I've been created to be. But that is, I, I know we've hit on this a couple of times here, die to yourself daily. Um, that is that process of, I have to go to Jesus on a daily basis mm -hmm. to be, to be hidden with Christ in God and to die to the things of this world. And, and even what I think about myself and what other people have said about me in my past and my anxiety and worry about the future, whatever mm -hmm. it is, and just, just be with him in the present. Well, think how a child grows. Um, they have to eat good food. Um, they have to sleep enough. They have to basically be healthy to grow like they should. How does a Christian grow? Uh, we feed our, we feed on the word. Mm. We rest in Christ and daily we make progress. Um, oftentimes in scripture, believers and people who, who trust God are compared to trees. And in, in, in Colossians, it says, Paul said, let your roots grow deep down into Christ. Mm. In Psalms, it says you will be like a tree planted by the water. You'll yeah. always bear fruit in season. Uh, that's the image is used over and over. So, uh, you know, our growth process would be the same way. We want, um, 
magic pixie dust or, or magic <laughs> wand or God just you know, instantly heal us of our problems, but oftentimes that's not the way he does it. Yeah. You've seen my struggle. Yeah. Because we've known each other for almost 20 <laughs> years now. Um, and I, honestly, a lot of my the things I've struggled with is literally because I saw certain parts of my life, not overall, but certain parts of my life in a very negative way. Mm. And uh, that I don't think was even true, but also did not do me any good whatsoever. But it was ridiculously hard to give up. What's re- I like that you use the word ridiculous. You say ridiculously hard. But when you think about the fact that there is a God who wants a relationship with us and has sacrificed himself to have that relationship with us because he wants to restore us to relationship with him and to who we've been created to be mm-hmm. in relationship with him. That's his intention, not to create slaves for himself or just fill heaven or something like that. So he's not lonely. I know people don't understand that, but it's for us. So when you think about that kind of God, it's ridiculous, going back to that word, it's ridiculous to deny, um, or, or I'd say it like this, to not live in the truth of the things of this world are transitory and fading away and, and in some ways false images of who he really is. Right? Right. The truth will set you free, not, right. not put that's, you in more chains. That's a great way to say that. I should have just said that from the <laughs> <laughs> The truth will set you free. Okay. That's good. Cause that leads right to what I want to go to here. I read Colossians three, three through four a minute ago, a little bit later in, in verse nine, Colossians three, verse nine, it says this, Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. That's like the the definition of the process of becoming who we've been created to be. Mm -hmm. But that that word for lie there, I think when we hear it, we go, okay, no, duh, I'm not supposed to lie. I know that. (laughs) But it's really do not be false to one another. Don't represent yourself in a false way. Don't represent your identity in a false way. Exactly. And it and it really could be not even to one another, but don't be false to yourself. That would that'd be the best place to start. <laughs> it's like truth is the answer to or uh, the avenue to finding out who you've been really created to be. Mm. Living in truth and in the truth of the knowledge of God, I guess. And, I the, and the truth is, like all truth, is paradoxical because while we are sinners, while we um, deserve the wrath of God, that we have to hold in one hand. In the other hand, he loves us more than we could possibly imagine. So if you let go of either one of those, you're out of balance. Mm. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, when you know you are a sinner is when you know you need a Savior. Maybe one of the biggest challenges to people today is that we don't really believe in sin like people did at one time. Well, not even that we don't believe in sin, but that um, we don't understand that we are sinners with a sinful nature, not just that we commit sins. Right, right. You know? It's much (laughs) deeper than just behavior. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not behavior modification. It's I need a new nature. Yeah, the behavior is the overflow of the problem, not the problem. Exactly. Which is why this scripture, I think, is so, so do not be false to each other. You've taken off your old self with its practices, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Hmm. It's a restoration 
to the image of God, hmm. a restoration to who we've been created to be. Now the image, the word image, is used in the connotation of the real thing. Right. It makes me think of uh, when they were trying to trap Jesus, and they said, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And he said, whose, whose image is on the coin? And, of course, it was Caesar's. But there's also an implication there that's not spoken. Who is, whose image is on you? Mm. So this, well, this, Caesar does deserve this coin, but you're for God. Yes, exactly. You're made in the image of God. So everything you are and everything you have goes to him. (laughs) And, and that's a, when you talk about the image of God, and we've been using image as not real, but when you talk about the image of God, the reason that's important to understand is you can't be God. All right. And so all of us are a, a reflection of who God is. We're a unique reflection of who God is. And that's something you and I, you've actually said this is, that's how unbelievably infinitely creative God is, is that every subatomic particle in the universe is unique. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's unbelievable to think about how creative he is. And each one of us are a unique reflection of who God is. And so the way we really become who we are is to become the unique reflection of God that we've been created to be. And, and this is something interesting. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying it's, this is basically his last prayer before he's betrayed. And he says, um, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Mm. And one of the words for glory, or the word for glory is doxa in the Greek. So one of the meanings of it is um, the essence of who someone is. Mm. All right? So... When I'm, when I'm glorifying God, I'm reflecting back to God something of the essence of who he is. Mm. I'm like a mirror that the sun is shining on and I'm reflecting it out to, back to the sun and, and, and out into the world. And so I, I'm, God is imprinted on me. His image is imprinted in me and on me even if I don't believe in him, but when I do believe in him, that gets amplified so much more and I can become more of the image of God and I glorify him even more. So does this work as a metaphor? Um, An apple tree glorifies God by creating apples. Right. So apples, apple trees don't have to strain to create apples. They just create, they just create apples. Right. Um, They do have to get pruned. (laughs) But so I guess what I'm getting at is, um, what, rather than seeing the loss of the old self as um, loss, it's actually producing fruit. Mm. And, but it's in a way that's completely natural and light and unburdening. Right. It's just what I've been born to do. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about what I do, honestly. And my call, I think, um, and call, I think, gets misunderstood and maybe we'll talk about that one day. Mm. But what I always tell people is I feel like when I'm preaching and when I'm leading and when I'm interacting with people, it's like, this is what I was born to do. Mm. Good feeling. Everybody is looking for purpose in life. Mm -hmm. And I think most people are looking for passion too. And when you get aligned with God and into the will of God, you're going to experience purpose and passion 
like you've never experienced before. It doesn't mean your job's going to change and all of a sudden you're going to be doing what you were born to do in, in that sense. Like right. I am, I think that's a privilege that I have. Some people have that. Some people don't, that's not the, I don't want to say it's not the goal, but it's not the ultimate goal. Right. But if I'm, if I'm in the will of God, hidden with Christ in God, you know, that whole line of thinking, um, then like you're saying, if I'm an apple tree, I just produce apples. Hmm. I do what I'm born to do. My doing flows from my being, right? Hmm. It, that all gets aligned too. Instead of defining who I am, it's an overflow of who I am. Does that so, make sense? Yeah. It, it's not what you do for a living. It's who you are. Yeah. You're living out the life that you're supposed to live. And you're not, you know, you can't be a not, an apple tree, which is not a particularly tall tree, and go, wow, I wish I was an oak tree. They're so much bigger. Mm. Uh, comparisons probably are one of the ways we kill uh, freedom. We kill the image of God in ourselves. Mm -hmm. Those right. are those are the same thing, aren't they? Yeah. It, it's like, um, <laughs> it's kind of like when I get to know the creator and he begins to form who I am, I'm finally free to be me. Right. Right. Um, and that's going back to this Colossians three passage. I've read, you know, do not be false to one another since you've taken off your old self with its practices, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. But then the next verse is the really famous verse. It's verse 11 it says here. There is no Gentile or Jew circumcised or uncircumcised barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all. And is in all. Hmm. Now, I've heard people talk about that last verse. You know, there's no Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised. Paul says it in another place, too. I can't remember exactly where right now, but he talks about no male or female either. Um, so when I mostly hear people talk about that, they talk about unity. Hmm. And I think that's a sub factor of that verse. But flowing out of what it flows out of in Colossians 3, what we've read, that's all about identity. This is more about my identity than it is about unity. Now, the unity comes in that when we're all identified around Christ, we have unity. Mm -hmm. But this isn't, this is, I think this is more saying that it, I'm no longer primarily identified as a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, outsider, insider, however you wanted to talk about that. None of those things make up who I am anymore because I've died to that old world. I'm hidden with Christ and God. I'm not going to live falsely anymore. And I'm going to live into the truth of who God has created me to be. The, those old categories um, blinded us to the uniqueness of each person that God made. Mm. Because we just see a stereotype. We just see a member of a certain group. Um, so when God liberates us from that, he doesn't make us all the same. He allows us to express an incredible uniqueness that only an incredibly creative creator could have designed to start with. Mm, that's, that's super good. That's, that's really interesting. I, I've done some reflecting in my life on my own racism, my own, you know, any sort of ism that you get. I think I'm not saying this to down the South because I'm, I love living in the South, but just growing up as how I grew up in the South, it, there was some of those 
kind of racist tendencies built into mm-hmm. me. And you, you, you can't help but see differences in people. Um, and so as, I, as I've struggled through some of that in my life, even when I went to seminary and, and struggled through some of that and God did some works in my life, um, one of the things that I began to realize is, um, let's say black and white or whatever, different cultures. Instead of saying, I was taught to say that you want to, or to think that you want to be colorblind, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that you don't want to recognize those differences. But what I began to understand is you actually want to recognize all those differences. They just don't make, they don't make you better or worse than someone else. And, Go ahead. I was just thinking, um, one of the most disappointing things in my life is growing up in the Bible Belt is, um, you know, you're surrounded by Christianity. Mm-hmm. And some of it is just cultural Christianity, but a lot of it is true Christianity. So it, it's always been one of the most disappointing things to me that it's in this place that we're famous for racism. We should be famous for love. Yeah. We should be famous for caring for you. And we're, we're, we hurt people that are other believers in Christ. Right. This is, I mean, if that's not the enemy, if that's not the devil, um, but how do you rise above time and place? I mean, you pick a place and pick a time and, and we know people believed a certain way that we don't believe anymore. So the only thing that can help you rise above time and place is to get truth from something outside that time and place. And the greatest truth comes from the Holy spirit. Yes. The disappointing thing is that we, somehow miss that to a large extent for a huge part of our history. <laughs> I, I think that's one of the reasons understanding your identity is so important is because if I can be secure in who I've been created to be by God, or at least increasingly secure in who I've been created to be by God, then I can see and love other people for who they've been created to be by God as well. Yes. And, and I think also part of it is we think, well, I already know the truth. You can't learn more truth if you think you already know the truth. Mm. And when Christ says the only way to enter the kingdom of God is as a small child, that who is more teachable and open than a small child? Everything is new. Mm. Everything is like you can see it in their eyes. Everything is a wonder. So I think we're not as limited by our own time and our own place if we're simply open to what the Holy Spirit is doing around us. We but, see people for who they are and not for a member of a group. Yes, Exactly. And I think that's, there's no barbarian or Greek or slave or Scythian or some, or Gentile or Jew that how that that's part of the problem of our culture is because there's no, there's nothing outside of ourselves like God Mm -hmm. to define who we are. Mm -hmm. We define ourselves by the things we find in our culture. Mm -hmm. This is the existence. Like I said, it goes back to Adam and even Cain and Abel. All of a sudden they build cities tribalism starts now I'm against you you're against me and some of that's about survival all that kind of stuff but one of the problems in our culture is that my sexuality becomes my identity before who I've been created to be by Christ or I mean mean by God in the image of Christ but or my the color of my skin Mm. and I understand why that happens it happens because if you're in a minority group in a majority setting you group together in order to survive, mm-hmm. in order to get through it. And you identify with each other and you sh- you share experiences that you've had that are the same. And that's all that's like really helpful, I think. That's community. That's what we're, we, we need and we're, we're 
born with this attraction to, but then that becomes our identity. Like I know this is really controversial. Um, but when I talk to people who struggle with their sexuality or people who are gay and people I've known over the years who are gay. Um, one of the very first things I understand about them when I get to meet them is that they're gay. It's this, it's their sexuality. It becomes their identity, their primary identifier, I guess is the better way to say that. Right. And, and that doesn't just happen with them. That happens with males that want to sleep with as many women as we can sleep with in order to prove how much of a male we are and how much of a man we are. So it happens in a lot of different ways. But one of the things I try to talk to people who are gay and or struggle with same-sex attraction or whatever it is uh, about, once I hopefully am able to build a relationship, that's the first thing, is, hey, you know, I know this thing is real in your life. I believe that this is real in your life, but that's not primarily who you are. And those conversations have also helped me understand that the things I struggle with in my life are my primary identifiers as well. Mm. So the first thing you have to get past is that really we're, we're much more alike than we are different. Yeah. And so if you, if you begin with, well, you're not like me, so we can't connect, but except on a certain level, um, you're, you've already lost the battle. Mm. When, when we connect with other people, it's when we recognize the value in them mm. and uh, the way, and every generation is absolutely sure they've got it figured out. <laughs> Think of how much things changed just in the decade of the 1960s. And those young people really believed that they were going to change the world and they, and they had it figured out. Well, look around. It's just not that much better. I mean, in some ways it is. Right. But the world's still a mess. Mm-hmm. It's just a different kind of mess now. Yeah. It's almost like a kaleidoscope. It just keeps changing, but it's still a mess. <laughs> and so... Good. I just maybe the idea that every generation thinks they've got it figured out comes from the, just the essence of hubris, the human pride. That yeah. We'll figure this out without God. We'll build a tower hmm. and we'll get there. That's exactly right. It's the same story being told over and over and over again from the beginning of humanity. And what does Jesus do when he invites us to him? Come into me with humility hmm. to be taught. Hmm. Enter into a new way of living. Hmm. A new way of understanding yourself. Uh, uh, literally a new way of being starting at the core because oftentimes we think of a faith walk, Christianity, as externals. Mm-hmm. But the truth is it starts at the most interior place in us. Yeah. And works its way out, n- not the other way around. Now, let me switch gears a little bit. It's not, I don't know how much of switching gears it actually is, but um, I, I did a little bit of research and by research, I mean, I Googled some things <laughs> um, about what psychology and the social sciences say about identity. Mm. Because it's not just religious thing. This is something that we're, we're all increasingly interested in. And there's no real consensus. Consciousness has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Our memories have something to do with it. Um, what's happened to us has something to do with it. But even what's happened to us is a memory. It's a, it's a, 
it's an ex- an experience that changes even over the course of time. No one remembers anything perfectly. It's always through your experiences, mm-hmm. right? Well, there's one theory that when you remember something, you're actually remembering the last time you remembered it. <laughs> and it, that's why it changes. <laughs> yeah, it changes. So we don't really know what makes us us in the social sciences. It can't be consciousness only mm-hmm. because when you're asleep, you're unconscious. Mm-hmm. Or people who are in a coma are unconscious. Are they still them? I don't know. It can't be just your body and your makeup because that's constantly changing. Um, it can't just be your mind. That's in a, a dynamic state of change all the time. Right. So Paul talks about your body, your soul, and your spirit. And it really makes a lot of sense when I think about it that way. He also talks about your mind. But it really makes a lot of sense when you think about it that way to, to say that who we are is a spiritual issue Mm. and that that relates to god Mm. i think and and that and that's that goes back to a very famous verse romans 12 1 through 2 you've heard it before therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god this is your true and proper worship i think that goes back to something like hey you got to die on the cross before you can become, before you can be resurrected. Mm. You got to die to the old man in order for there to be a resurrection. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, all the things that try to shape us in oh. our, in the world, in the culture, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in Colossians three, you know, the, in the knowledge, in the image of its creator, be renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator, be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's kind of like, I can't really live out who I really am and the will of God in my life and find that purpose and that passion and that identity, that alignment, until I'm offering myself to God. I I guess to connect where I was, until I'm connecting with the spiritual side of me and the God who created me. So the kingdom of God always challenges the way the world sees things. Uh, Jesus said once, um, there, there will be a time when you may be arrested, uh, you may be drug out of your houses, and some of you might be killed. But don't worry, not a hair on your head will be harmed. <laughs> he also told him he's sending them out like sheep amongst wolves. Thanks for that. Well, my, my question is, okay, I, I might be beaten, I might be killed, but not a hair on my head will be harmed. Hmm. He's dealing with a different kingdom. Yeah, He's dealing with a different reality. It reminds me of uh, C.S. Lewis's idea that Jesus, after his death and resurrection, could enter a locked room where his frightened disciples were hiding, just walk through the wall, walk through the door, not because he was a ghost and the door was real, but because of his ultimate reality, the door was almost non-existent. Yeah, it was like ethereal compared it to him. It was ethereal. It's, this is, that's why the shadow, the, his movie was called Shadowlands. We think we're living in the real world now and that the next world is kind of cloudy and misty and ephemeral, but Truth is, it's this world that lacks substance. Mm. The kingdom of God is what's real, which means our identity has to be real too. Yes. That that thought has blown my mind for a long time, Mm. that he was more real than the walls were. Yes. That's the realness that we're trying to tap into with who we've been created to be in our identity. That's the essence of the question right there. What's real? What's real? That's how we should have started. (laughs) (laughs) 
who am I really? Um, because if I can live out of that, mm. then I'm solid in this world. Yes. So how do you do that? Let's, let's try to kind of wrap it back here. How do you enter into this relationship with God? How do you, let's say, talking to Christians or people who are already followers of Jesus, we've, so we've already entered into it. How do we continue to discover our identity in Christ? I, you know, I've mentioned this several times. Humility is huge. It's just a huge, the willingness to be taught mm-hmm. and admit that you're just a beginner. Uh, but we grew up in church, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we should know this. We, we know all this stuff. Um, we know Christianity from an Alabama, in <laughs> uh, our time period. I just, I don't think we've even begun to understand how little we understand about God. One of the things you've said that I've said a billion times is we'll spend the rest of eternity learning something new about an infinite God and his yes. love. There's a verse in the Old Testament that says the increase of his government will be without end, which means his kingdom, not just his kingdom will be without end, but the increase of his kingdom. Will be <laughs> so Wednesday won't be like Tuesday and Tuesday won't be like Monday. He is and the, the ultimate creator is still creating. Mm. And even if he wasn't creating it, it would take all of eternity to, to learn what already is. So we don't, don't, don't have it figured out. Part of that humility is repentance. Mm. I think part of it, yeah, I don't want to go off in a different direction than you're going, okay. but I want, right. I want to stay with one thing. Uh, to me, I just absolutely love the mystery of it. Mm. I love the mystery of it. I told you years ago, remember I told you about the guy I worked with? He, he was a great guy, but he yeah. was kind of a I've got it figured out guy. <laughs> um, and he, he had taught the Bible for a long time. He knew a lot of, he knew a lot of verses, that's for sure. Um, but he told me there's no mystery in the Bible. He looked in his concordance. It's not there. <laughs> and I thought, I want to say you're serving a tiny little God. It's no bigger than your own brain. Mm. So I think a huge part of learning who we are is just beginning with wonder, mm. beginning with awe. That God is so big and no telling what he designed me for. It's good, whatever it is. I was thinking about this recently, about the, how the bigness of God and the wonder like approaching God with awe. And the Bible describes God as being in, living in unapproachable light. Mm. So I was thinking about, we can only get so close to the sun, right? Mm-hmm. Before it just, you begin to, you'll die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't even look, even from the distance where we are, you can't look straight at the sun mm-hmm. or it'll blind you for very long at least. God is the creator of the sun. He's infinitely brighter Mm-hmm. than the sun is. He's the energy from which the sun draws its energy, I guess. Right. I, I don't know how to say that, but he lives in unapproachable light. Yes. We can't even look at the sun, and yet he invites us into relationship with him. That is a he, mystery. He has to change us for us to survive his love. Mm. Uh, at the, if we go in without change, if we go in without transformation, we're burned up. I think his love just burns us up. But so, we have to be acclimated with love. Yeah. So I'm I'm laying down my old self. Right. That's a daily process. Mm-hmm. Humility. I'm entering in with wonder and awe, with a teachable spirit, mm-hmm. understanding that I don't have I don't I'm not even close to beginning to figure out what I don't understand. Mm-hmm. That's how much I don't understand right. about it. <laughs> right. Um Okay, how else? 
That's a daily thing, I think. That's a daily thing. And then, you know, you hear you hear the phrase oftentimes by Christians, I say, you've exposed yourself to something. You've exposed yourself to drugs or you've exposed yourself to the occult. Or you've exposed yourself to, to pornography. How about we expose ourselves to God? Mm. Like in quietness with no distractions. Um, T.S. Eliot, who was a Christian himself, said we are distracted from distraction by distraction. <laughs> um, we're so busy. How about we just slow down and, and open our minds and open our hearts and open part of our day to nothing but God. Mm-hmm. Not God while we're driving, not God while we're doing this or that, but um, undistracted, open my heart. And if you do nothing else but desire that, you make one step in that direction. Yeah. little shameless plug here. One of our episodes is on the contemplative life. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah how to do that. Cause I, I just don't think people have been taught how to do that. So when you say it, it sounds great, but you, it, we don't know how to do it. It's not a big part of our tradition. It yeah. is a part of other Christian traditions though. Yeah. And I think that's why the family of God needs each other mm. because I think uh, the different traditions have strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. and uh, we can learn from each other. Um, just recently I was talking to a couple that's Greek Orthodox and they, they started coming to our church um, just because they have some neighbors and they were sort of interested. They weren't about to not be Greek Orthodox. And we're very different from Greek Orthodox. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about communion and they go, oh, do y'all fast before communion? <laughs> and I thought, I almost like with shame said, no. <laughs> no, we don't, we don't take it that seriously. <laughs> we don't take it that seriously. And I thought, oh, that hit me a little bit. I, I'd forget. Even something like communion, I forget how incredible that is. Mm. You're coming I lose to the wonder. You're accepting Christ. Right. Literally, physically. Philip Yancey tells a story that he was invited to go to Russia to speak at a prison where they were having this amazing revival. And Russian prisons are, we're talking some brutal rough places. Yeah. They're brutal. But so many people had been affected by Christianity in this prison that discipline's down, violence is down. It's just becoming a different place. And the warden had allowed the Orthodox priests there he just gave him a huge basement. He said, this is yours. Just do with it what you want. So that's where Philip Yancey went to speak. And when it was all over, uh, he was about to leave. And he said what Americans often say, hey, you want to say a prayer before we leave? And he said the, that the, the priest, the Orthodox priest, looked at him like, what a strange request. <laughs> and he left the room. And the translator explained to him, he'll, he'll be right back. And he came back in with two very large candlesticks, as tall as he was. He left the room again. And he came back with a stand and a book. And left the room, and he came back in his religious attire, the robe, the whole thing. I don't know the <laughs> names for all of them. And he he approached the God of the universe mm. and said a prayer. And Philip Yancey said, "My prayers are so flippant." <laughs> was, that's why it was so strange. Yeah. He's like, "Okay, for, you want to pray, but for say, uh, I mean, to us to say a prayer, the closing is yeah. almost like saying goodbye." Yeah, and we we really need to remember who we're talking to. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I think we have so much to learn from the different streams, mm-hmm. the evangelical stream, the liturgical streams, the holiness stream. Um, they all have just some powerful, beautiful truths. And I think they, I think they all have weaknesses. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, here's another thing that I think helps in, in this hidden with Christ and God. So when Christ who in our life appears, we also who is our life appears, we also appear with him in glory. This becoming who we've been created to be this restoration is Christian community. I can't, 
underscore the importance of Morgan's impact on my life or people that I'm around that I go, they're like Jesus and I need to be more like that. Or they do things that I I never knew to do, or they say things that are a new revelation of who God is to me. That is unbelievably important. You're talking about the various Mm -hmm. streams. I'm just talking about a community of faith. Yeah. Brother, brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ. And not only the ones that um, we want to emulate, but the ones that really rub us the wrong way. Mm. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Um, and and no doubt we're rubbing somebody the wrong way also. So um, even in that, that's family. That's how you learn to love. That's how you learn to forgive. That's, a, you know, to be, to accept as I have been accepted. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, there's a scripture, I think it's in Romans 15. He gives us the ability to accept others. And I'm, this is a huge paraphrase, but <laughs> to accept others in their imperfections as we were accepted in ours. What could be more Christ-like? And also what could be more joyful? Mm. Because not only are you accepting them, but they're accepting you as the, as the community grows more like Christ. But that goes back to I, the security. If I really feel secure, and know who I am. I'm solid in this world, like we've talked about. Mm. Then I can treat people like that mm. because I'm not always acting out of my insecurities. Mm. That's the problem, right? I don't mm. really know who I am. I'm thin and flimsy in this in a thin and flimsy world. Yeah, and I define myself by what I do or by what other people say about me. And so, if you treat me that way, then I'm going to treat you the exact same way out of that insecurity instead of oh, what an opportunity to offer grace and love like I've been offered grace and love. Well, unfortunately, you know, if I say the phrase church people, some people are immediately like, okay, that's a negative connotation. But what about a community that actually does love you in all your imperfections and and you know you're going to love them back? That's healing. Yeah. That helps people become who they're meant to be. That's the family of God. What what saved the Russian I talked about? Love. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what saved him. And he became real. He was fake. He became real. Mm-hmm. So if you could, uh, I mean, what kind of marriage would it be if you hid all your imperfections? If you couldn't be yourself in front of your spouse? It'd be there, terrible. There'd be no closeness or intimacy whatsoever. There'd, there'd be no exchange. You'd just be protecting yourself all the time. And in the world, we pretty much have to protect ourselves all the time. That's right. We that, shouldn't in the church. That's right. That's a great... It, Yes. Here, just real quickly, here's some other things, I think. If exposing ourselves to truth and the truth of who God is, is part of how we become who we've been created to be, then we have to be reading scripture. That's truth. Mm. That's how we understand who Jesus is. What if truth is not the truth you were taught as a kid? That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, it gets back to that. What defines you and what, what, what do you, and how you define truth? Um, your time and place mm-hmm. or something greater, the kingdom of God. Well, I, when, when Jesus announced one of the, some of the first words he said when he became public minister was the kingdom of heaven is at hand or the kingdom of God is at hand. I yeah, can't do you, which one is it? It's the kingdom of heaven. I think the kingdom it, of heaven is at hand. And I always thought that meant y'all have been waiting for the Messiah for centuries and I'm finally here. And he, and he did mean that, but it also means the kingdom of heaven is around you. Yeah. Now, I think it's Luke 17 says within you. Mm. Kingdom of heaven is within you. 
Yeah, and I need to look up that. Y'all look it up if you go later. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the kingdom of heaven is within you. You you brought up something there, and, and we probably need to bring it to a close in a minute, but you brought up something there that I think is real interesting, or at least it got me thinking about. In this process of becoming who I've been created to be by God, which is a lifelong process, but in this process of doing that, there's there's going to be moments of that feel like chaos. Right. That feel like, like you said, I've known the Bible to be, or God to be, or myself to be, or others to be, or the world around me to be this way because of the time and place where I live and the culture that I live in. And all of a sudden I'm exposed to the truth of who God really is and what God really wants to do in my life. And it flips everything upside down and it's super scary. Mm -hmm. It feels like chaos. It feels like shaking that's how hebrews describes it right that god's going to shake things and only mm-hmm. the eternal things will remain um if you're in that place or when you go through that place when we go through that place as followers of jesus that's where christian community becomes really really important to have people to guide you through that in the quiet times with the lord but but that's a i, I guess what i'm trying to say is just know that that's a normal place right yeah that's a challenge for all of us. The word salvation is related to the idea of being brought out into a large open space. Mm-hmm. So if we've lived in confining spaces our whole lives and been told that this is truth, even religious truth, and then we're brought out into a wide open space, that would be intimidating. Yeah. A new way of thinking. Old wineskins, new wineskins. That's the, what, to ahead. follow Jesus, the people of his day had to completely change their mind about who the Messiah was. Maybe we have to do the same thing. The, his his followers, who knew him as a man on earth two thousand years ago after his resurrection, when they, they were walking to Emmaus on the road to Emmaus, he walked and talked with them for a considerable amount of time. Yeah, and they didn't recognize him. Yeah, I think one of our challenges is not just to recognize him, but that's the first step in recognizing the reality of ourself. Yeah, that's identity. That's that humility. Don't make God in your image. Let God make you in his image. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's good. That's the beginnings of a conversation about identity. <laughs> um, and if you know Morgan and I, you know that we always, we get neurotic about what people think about what we say. And so we go off onto all these places. But I think, I think those are interesting things to think about at the very least. Mm-hmm. And if we begin to seriously consider them, and the truth of the scriptures around them, then they will become, will begin to become more of who God has created us to be. Yeah. Well, we, we did a lot of rambling, but I think we touched on a few sentences that might be worth considering <laughs> for us anyway. Wow. <laughs> that was a lot to talk about in part one and part two of us talking about identity and even after all that conversation there's still so much more to say and really so much more to live out that's one of the hardest parts of identity is we're constantly figuring this out we're constantly knowing god more we're constantly living this out in new ways and understanding new things about who god is and who we are in light of that so we hope that you'll be able to take some of this that god has spoken to you in some ways through this podcast and you'll be able to apply it to your life because faith is always lived out. This has been Practical Theology for practically everyone. Remember that theology matters to everyone because everyone matters to God.